You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning and welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to recognize Denim Marketing as our show sponsor. Known as a trendsetter, Denim has been blogging since 2006 and podcasting since 2011. Uh, we're currently working on strategies for the Google Helpful Content Update, as well as AI for sales and marketing. So contact us when you need quality original content for blogging, social media, public relations, email marketing, and promotions. Well, from artificial intelligence to virtual reality, the digital world is always changing and causing major shifts in real estate. Here to help us understand how to navigate all of these changes is Kevin Weitzel. He is the Director of Business Development with Zonda and Livable. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Oh, nice to be here, Carol. Glad you're here. Well, take a quick minute and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Simple. I'm uh, come from a single mother household, uh, poor side or the south side of the tracks, if you will. On my own since my freshman year in high school, I served. Uh, I was a professional cyclist for you know from '84, '85 all the way up to '89. Um, Olympic alternate in '88. Uh, I was a sniper in the Marine Corps for eight years, '89 to '97. Uh, then I've pretty much been in the world of wheels, uh, motorcycles, bicycles, cars. Uh, until about seven years ago, I got drawn into the home building industry, and I was actually over at Outhouse. Um, still actually a vested partner there, but uh, I was actually brought over to join the Livable team uh, at Zonda, and that's where I've been ever since. It's pretty much me in a nutshell. I think every time I talk to you, I learn something I didn't know about <laughs> you before. I'm like, Marine sniper, what? You didn't know that? Yeah, I, I was in the Marine Corps for eight years, yeah. Wow, everybody watch out. Don't make Kevin mad. Well, no, I've, I'm actually just a big old teddy bear. I cry, <laughs> I cry on like uh, chewing gum gum commercials. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty typical. A lot of Marines are very soft. They have this good little gooey center outside yeah. of their hard exterior. I just, I went with the gooey exterior is what Dude. I went with. Oh, you're so funny. Well, <laughs> jump in. I know you've been with Zonda for, for a little while now. Tell us a little bit more about Zonda and Livable. So Zonda obviously is known as one of the large, actually the largest data aggregators of home builder uh, data and land data uh, in the industry. They're, they've made a lot of moves over the last several years. They've had some acquisitions. Uh, they acquired BirdEye out of Scotland, uh, which, is a, which is a satellite service that actually looks and takes photographs of every single community across the United States in a matter of about a week and a half. And then they use AI to determine what stage each one of those communities are at. So wow. much faster response. It allows for much more accurate data that we're giving out to our builders or selling to our builders, actually. Um, on top of that, then we also acquired a, a digital asset company uh, called AlphaVision. And that is what is Zonda Virtual now. Uh -huh. And then, of course, BuzzBuzz Buzz Home out of Canada, which was the largest new home listing platform in all of Canada. That's being rolled out here in the United States as Livable. And it's actually being rebranded to Livable. So eventually, all things will be tied into the Livable brand name. Um, but for now, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm pretty familiar with BuzzBuzz Buzz Home. So that's oh, yeah. uh, quite a nice acquisition there. And that's going to be a really nice product, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, I know so. You know so. Well, this is an open-ended question, but what's new in the virtual world? There's a couple things that are new in the virtual world. I'd say, uh, you know, obviously uh, AI being part of it. 
uh, AI uh, where you can uh, make for much more accurate searches uh, as a consumer and as a home builder. So home builder can actually look at the AI uh, aggregation of data that they're getting from even just their website to know not only what people are clicking on like they could with Google Analytics, but now it's actually diving into how much time are they spending? What are they actually repeating or coming back to on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. So they can actually use that data to create a more accurate product back to their clients, something that there is more targeted to what they're actually seeking. Uh, they can get rid of plans that nobody cares about anymore. Right, yeah. You don't need AI to determine that, hey, we have 10 plans and this one plan, nobody ever shops and nobody ever buys. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a dud for a reason. But AI really does help hone in those details. Even to the point where when you're looking at a floor plan, some people may not have the capabilities as a consumer to be able to read a blueprint or be able right. to read that floor plan. So AI can actually label everything and give it descriptions. Mm. Uh, it really does. It really does make a marketer's life much, much easier. The other aspect that's kind of new in the virtual world is visualizers. Now, a lot of people would hear me say visualize and say, well, visualizers are anything new. I'm telling you, it's going to be the death of the visualizer. And here's why. Hmm. What is new is that visualizers are what, when you look at like a kitchen and you can change the flooring, the backsplash, right. the counters, and you can see that visually in a still. Well, now you can do that in a virtual tour. You can That's do that in a cool. virtual environment and the user control. So imagine, if you will, kind of like a Matterport, but now it's all rendered. And then when you walk through the house, you can change your flooring in real time. You can change your fireplace background surround in real time. Uh, you can change your baseboards and, you know, paint codes, literally everything in real time in a virtual tour. So that's pretty new. Not cutting edge like brand new just came out, but it is new that, that a lot of home builders just do not, haven't gone there yet. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. It's got me thinking where we're going to go in the future with all these, you know, metaverse and all this. Maybe we're all just going to have cinder block homes and we can have virtualizers that make us think the house is made of something other than what it is as we walk through it. Wouldn't that be cool? And then when you get tired of the colors and the flooring and everything, you just change it on your virtualizer. Just click your headset and yeah. it just changes. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I think it will be very interesting to see where all this goes in our lifetime because this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. Well, what changes are you seeing in the digital asset world? Uh, well, I'm seeing a little bit more of the adaptation of the technology. A lot of home builders, you know, they're they're kind of known as being slow adopters. Um, I'm seeing more and more builders really just jump into the world of tech, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, prop tech or AI. Um, you know, they're getting into the applications and the various platforms that are out there. They're utilizing the data to their advantage. Whereas literally just 10 years ago, even though a lot of these tools were still here, uh, builders just weren't adopting it. Uh, they were doing it because, hey, this is how we've done it for 40 years. Why make the change? And and I'm telling you, it is painful to change. Not only does it cost money to make a change, but it also, you know, is is painful that you have to learn these new systems. Right. But there are so many advantages and so many efficiencies that come from a lot of these apps and platforms that are out there um, that it really does make life a lot better. Yeah. Well, speaking of efficiencies, I know that, you know, I've dabbled some in AI and you're probably dabbling some in AI. And it's always interesting to have these conversations about, oh, my gosh, it's going to take over the world or where is it going or I'm scared to use it or I use it for everything. And, um, you know, I know from our perspective, uh, you know, chat GPT and BARD are quite interesting and sometimes they give you quite interesting answers. But it's like anything else. They're as good as the information you give them. Right. Um, and they're somewhat trainable, depending on the day. I like to argue with chat on occasion because it doesn't listen. But uh, what are you using AI for? And, you know, kind of, you know, where do you see builders using it? 
So, you know, for the most part, I see a lot of marketers uh, using chat GPT to, Mm -hmm. they punch in an idea or concept and it can just, it it can be a brain spark. Um, The thing that I do see at an alarming rate actually is the number of builders, whether they're using internal or an outsourced uh, marketing uh, platform. But uh, what I'm seeing at an alarming rate is people that are leaning on it a little too much. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing literally the same verbiage used from builder to builder to builder. Uh, that's lazy. Um, yeah. You know, if you have a unique product, tell that unique story. And and the fact that it's being so easily used as a crutch versus a, a, a brain spark tool is is disturbing. That's interesting that you say that because um, I've gotten to the point that I've used it enough because I use it for a lot of first drafts that I recognize copy that's written with it and not edited. And I can tell you there's two words that ChatGPT loves, loves, loves. And if you see them in your copy, it was probably written by ChatGPT. One is the word thrilled. They're always thrilled to announce whatever it is. ChatGPT loves that word. And then for whatever reason, the word sparkling, sparkling pools, sparkling mm-hmm. countertops, sparkling bathrooms. I'm sorry. Get rid of those two words. And re. I mean... You know, it's always a nice start to have something, but it's incredibly repetitive. It'll use the same word, you know, twice in a sentence, and then it'll have the same thought two or three times in the same set of copy. It just, to me, is it's missing the mark and almost an insult to who's reading it if you're not taking the time to really edit it. And and Carol, my girlfriend can attest, sparkling doesn't always apply. I know that I have put many, many years in this townhouse that I live in to turning my bathroom into not sparkling. Not sparkling. Um, And she's not very happy about it. I got to be honest with you. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, you know, the other thing is, I think, you know... If if you and I recognize these words and this stuff as as ChatGPT, I'm just wondering, you know how people are tired of seeing stock images? They know it's a stock image. I think that consumers are going to catch on and they're going to realize that this is all just AI copy and that it's not, you know, real copy and they're going to see it as disingenuous, you know? I think I think if you leverage the 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 efficiency that AI brings in data aggregation, if you utilize those efficiencies, you can leverage AI to the hilt and just have a blast and and, yeah. and just completely put that into your systems. Um, however, if you really lean on the outcome of that AI too <laughs> yeah. heavily, it will, it will, it, who is it that said that uh, AI will, will, uh, isn't going to eliminate jobs, it's going to eliminate mediocrity. I, I don't remember who quoted, who that quote is, but it's it, probably it, it's a pretty good mine. quote. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. There've been a couple of things said about AI that I think are true. You know, one, one of the truths is there aren't enough people out there to fill all of the white collar jobs that exist today. So companies are going to have to learn to lean on AI to save time. So, you know, great way to save time. And I agree with you, the brain spark, that brainstorming, it, you know, if you want an outline for something, or if you want 10 new ideas, which might not be exactly what you want, but might spark that creativity in your, you know, in yourself to come up with that brilliant idea. I think it's fantastic for that. It it, it eliminates sitting there and staring at a a white screen, you know, what am I going to write? Oh my gosh, how do I start this? Hey, stop, stop giving away my, uh, my secrets because that's how I start everything. I just stare, (laughs) I just stare blankly at a, I use a wall though, instead of a screen because the screen burns out your eyeballs eventually. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I just stare at a wall. Yeah. We need to like close our eyes once every 20 minutes so that they don't get all dried out from staring at the screen. Fact, fact. Yeah. Well, now what else? uh, What else are you seeing as far as AI and what else should we be looking for? 
Uh, you know, the big thing is just that ag aggregation. That's really mm -hmm. realistically where it can be best leveraged. Uh, that's how the companies are utilizing it. They're utilizing it to get the absolute fastest aggregation of data that they can. And they're using it to basically sponge and exploit the the end result user. So, I mean, I mean, they use it on on phones. You know, when you're talking in your phone and you have the microphone or yeah. Alexa, it's studying every word that you say. Yeah. And it will literally take that into a, a, a reference chart, if you will. And then it literally can spit out outcomes to radically increase retargeting. You know, just ha us having this conversation, if I mentioned Bose speakers, mm -hmm. I guarantee you by the end of the day, I'll see Bose You'll speakers see, retargeted yeah. on a video game that I play or a, or a social media. Guaranteed. Absolutely, you will. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about stuff in the office. And we're like, you know, oh my gosh, now that we've talked about this and we, you know, didn't even text it or email it or I am it or anything. And now it's in my ads. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're being listened to. That's a little creepy, but yeah. Well, I think iPhone has changed it, but uh, the iPhone used to have a problem where you just have to be having a conversation with somebody and would say, did you mean? And it mm -hmm. will basically ask you to clarify what you're asking. It's like, wow, I didn't push a button. Yeah, I laugh at my iPhone. I can talk to Siri till I'm blue in the face and she won't answer me, but she'll answer my sister if my sister's in town and says, hey, Siri. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Crafting the perfect marketing strategy is like constructing the perfect pair of jeans. You need all the right components and expertise. Unlike trying on a dressing room full of jeans, denim marketing makes the process painless and easy. Denim marketing is the market leader in creating quality original content for home builders, developers, remodelers, and others in the industry. Call 770 383 3360 or email carol at denimmarketing.com to find out how denim marketing can be a comfortable fit for your social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, blogs, and other marketing needs. Well, talk a little bit about how home builders can afford some of these tools that they need. I know affordability is still a challenge with some of this stuff. Some of it's still really expensive, but what are some ideas you have for that? So there's there's two two parts to that basically. On the affordability side, yes, we're trying to make our homes more affordable. Mm -hmm. So do we want to go spend millions of dollars on a tool that may or may not uh, allow us to add to that efficiencies to, because if it doesn't go to the bottom right. line, then you're not actually creating a scenario where you can manage that profit margin to bring down pricing. So when we're talking like a spec home, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a first time buyer home, you know, we're talking in some communities, $200,000, $300,000 home. There's not much fat for them to trim off of those homes. So in all reality, it just comes down to minimizing your cost on, on marketing mm -hmm. them. You know, how little can I spend, you know, to to put into digital advertising or to the little trinkets and doodads you can put on your website. Um, but I think that's a mistake. And I think it's a mistake for a couple of reasons. One is that you can actually fund a lot of this stuff. You can fund interactive floor plans. You can fund renters. You can even fund VR. You know, for the for the builders that go, oh, VR, it's expensive. It's unreachable. We can't do it. Can't justify it. If you have three model homes, what does it cost you to eliminate one, one exactly. model home? Nothing. Matter of fact, it's actually going to add money mm -hmm. to your bottom line because just the dirt carry alone could cover virtual models for your entire series of homes, let alone just the ones in that community. Yeah. Um, so that's that's number one. Number two, the prices of a lot of this stuff has come mm -hmm. down uh, because of offshore competition and because of efficiencies that have been made in, in like in the world of renderings. I mean, it's not it's not foreign that 
10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd spend seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for a single rendering. Yeah. Now you can spend two hundred dollars and get a quality rendering, actually much far superior than what we had 10, 15 years ago. So not only is it better, but it's also mm-hmm. cheaper. And yet builders go, oh, well, you we don't want to take on the expense. Well, you need right. to because consistency is king. If you're consistently old and outdated, that's how you're going to be viewed. Right. However, if you just take, oh, well, we got this new community. Let's do these just these three houses. Well, now your website doesn't look consistent. It looks like you don't care. Sometimes you're going to use two by fours. Sometimes you might use two by twos. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to actually build a house. I just know how to market and and, and develop the digital assets behind them. Um, so yeah, consistency is king and you have to be willing to just update, you know, you're, you're not still using fiberboard, you're using drywall. Right. You know, that was a, that was a change that builders had to make as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a constant evolutionary process that you have to stay on top of. I think you're absolutely right. I think too many times people feel like they just had the builder feels like they just have to have that model home. And, you know, another way we're seeing builders address it is instead of doing, you know, model homes in every single community, if they have communities that are clustered near each other, they might be doing, you know, something little slightly different. Maybe it's more of a design center that, you know, acts as a model for all of those communities or, you know, something that's uh, more centralized versus having to put a model in every single community. And then you really can afford to to pay for more of this technology because you're not spending so much on building multiple model homes. In some markets that actually 100% applies. Mm-hmm. I'd say in the, in the markets where it's not geographically feasible, then I say to err toward the mm-hmm. digital side. You know, it's it's funny when you hear a builder say, oh, well, you know, we can't afford to do that because of X. It's like, you know what your, what your design center is costing you in air conditioning, insurance, liability, uh, just overhead, water bill, uh, rent. You know, you have to right. pay all those things. Plus, that's before you can get to staffing. When your staff can use literally anywhere a virtual design center, you can have a virtual design center. Yes, there are some upfront costs, but it is it pales in comparison to the carry cost of an actual physical design center. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's just so interesting, you know, and I think a lot of people have gone to virtual design centers versus having you know, one in person, because you can do so much of it, you know, even online, you know, you just, you walk through your house and select it as you go, right? Well, I loved it when I I had a builder actually push back on me one time. They said, oh, well, we like our physical design centers because we want people to actually see it because they can't imagine what it looks like in that virtual world because it's not a real house. I'm like, but you're just holding up a a cabinet door. Mm -hmm. You're holding up a swatch of paint. You're holding up a piece of, you know, a section of backsplash and a floor tile. They can't. How is yeah. that any different than having to imagine it? At least in a virtual world, you can actually see it in a real application, a virtual application. I, 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 use, you, I use the words virtual, real and virtual yeah. synonymously, but I think you get a, even a better picture when you look at it in a virtual world versus a design center. Because I've been to design centers. I've bought yeah. homes. And I am one of the, I don't know what the percentage of the population is, but I'm one of those people that are artistically challenged and cannot envision what those different materials right. look like. Well, in the virtual world, you can see them all together and see what it looks like as a finished product. And yeah, you're kind of having to still use your imagination somewhat in the real world. You can see everything and touch it, which I think people like. So maybe there's some combination of both that's needed. Yeah, I could buy yeah. that. I, I guess I could argue it either way. Well, you know, where does a builder start? There's so many choices. There's IFPs, there's interactive site plans, there's renderings, there's virtual tours, there's animations, there's augmented reality, on and on and on and on. Where where should they start if they don't have any of it? Well, once they've done the obvious, which is assess their marketing plan, assess their budget, assess what they currently have in place. What does your website look like? 
do you have your marketing in-house? Mm-hmm. Do you have your marketing, you know, uh, outsourced? There's there's right combinations for every single thing you're looking at. But once you've established that, hey, here's our pain points or here's where we're falling behind compared to the X, Ys, and the Zs of the world, then you have to look at what you're going to do. Um, there are best in classes. Mm-hmm. There are definitely best in class. Uh, you know, if you look at IFPs, there's two major players out there that really dominate the market uh, in in the quality of the product and the usability and viability of the product. If you look at renderings, there are uh, about a half a dozen, but realistically two or three that really stand out that are far mm-hmm. superior to everybody else. If you look at visualizers, there's one player in the game that owns that market. There's nobody that touches visualizers like this one player in the game. They they were they were first to the market, and they also have never pulled off the gas pedal. Uh, I'm not mentioning names because he's one of my competitors, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic tool. Um, and then when you look at like interactive site plans, uh-huh. there's tons of them out there, but there's really only about two or three that are truly game changers. Right. Um, you know, I throw my hat uh, being here at Zonda into a multiple uh, multiples of those categories. You know, we're, we're we're relatively competitive, but what it really comes down to is, do you want to go with a philosophy of I want everything all packaged in one big ball, which now you're married to that one company right. forever because you have to keep paying them to keep using their stuff. Or do I want to get the best mm-hmm. of the best? Do I want to go to company X for my renderings? Do I want to go to company Y for my interactive floor plans? The the argument for and against either one is, if I go with those independents, can they be properly combined right. using APIs, uh, using integrations to the other systems that I have? If the answer is yes, then they're still a viable contender. Right. If the answer is no, then I don't care how good it is. You got to get right. rid of it. You got to exit off the list. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that so much. But if you're using multiple different systems, getting them all to play well together on a website isn't easy. No, it's not. I mean, there's even systems out there. I'm, I'm not going to pick on them. I'm not even going to name them by name. But uh, there's somebody that created a virtual house tour where it connected to all of your supplies, all of your suppliers. So you could look at every single faucet mm. you want to have in the house. You could look at every single appliance you have in the house. And on the surf, it was a fantastic, absolutely fantastic tool. However, in practical application, that particular company doesn't have one builder that actually uses it tip to tail because they can't. And here's why they can't. Because the builder does not have all the systems in place that can feed that right. piece, number one. Number two, even if you do have all those tools in place, the cost and the man hours that it takes, the human hours, let me rephrase that, human the human hours, hours yes. that it takes to manage that is undaunting. You talk about carry costs. Mm-hmm. It's insane wow. because these systems are not automated. That's interesting. They're really yeah. not. Yeah. So, so that is the that's the nature of the beast is that we can we can go to I call it IBSI. We can go to the international <laughs> yep. and see and it happens every year. Every year around January, February, IBS yep. hits and builders go to that and then they're like, we want to know about this newest, latest, greatest, awesome uh-huh. thing. And then they find out that, oh, well, by the way, that doesn't connect to this. That doesn't connect to that. You know, look at ERPs. Right. Oh, gosh. Most ERPs don't d- connect no. their data, don't even allow it, even though they have the capability to. Mm-hmm. But they want to be a standalone island and control all that data, so they don't want to let anybody else play in their in their sandbox. That cripples the the builder's ability to connect all of that data that they're keeping track of to feed all these various digital tools like a visualizer right. or a real time price bot. You know, that's the crush that's keeping us from going into a full stride run, right? Because we're all still holding on to those systems. So it's not the home builder's fault. 
It's not the digital supplier's fault. It's not even the ERP's fault. But the fact that none of these all truly, truly talk to each other. Well, hopefully we'll see that change. Well, we, we do see that change. But uh, just like there's different plugs for iPhone versus Droid, yep. every mortgage company has a different way of attaching to it. Yep. Every title company has a different way of attaching to it. <laughs> I thought about that, yeah. But we're not even looking at just the digital asset to being, look at an interactive floor plan. So for an interactive floor plan to show real-time pricing, you have to either one, manually input all the real-time pricing on a regular basis, or you can have an API feed in from your ERP. Real simple. Mm -hmm. However, yeah. since most ERPs, the two biggest ones, do not push that data, you're stuck on an island where you can't show that real-time pricing without manually inputting it. So... That's even before you take that. Now you can take that IFP that somebody saves. So Carol's looking at XYZ Homes and she saves a plan. And then that builder gets that, the XYZ Home gets that save from Carol. Yeah. But now they have to manually input that instead of that just pushing right into their contracting system. Wow. So those are a lot of the hurdles that we have to pass as an industry. And and I don't see that changing. Not quickly? Not quickly enough. Yeah. it's Not quickly enough. I mean, if, if the two major phone type uh, suppliers out there can't, can't agree on a plug-in to charge a phone, which I think they're being mandated, in, at least in Europe, to, to oh. share the same. Yeah, so that'll roll over, that should roll over the United States pretty soon. Oh, that's but interesting. That, if, that, if that happens, that's just, we're just talking about two different phones and a yeah. single charger that plugs into a wall. Yeah. We're not talking about all these different disconnected services and, and products. <laughs> mm. Well, let's change the topic and talk sure. a little bit about listings. Um, yeah. Talk about what Livable offers to home builders. So Livable is a, is a slightly different concept than some of the other tools that are already out there. When when Jeff uh, Myers and the team at Zonda and team at Livable decided they wanted to roll out and they acquired BuzzBuzz, uh, they saw it as a win because mm -hmm. it, your, your new product doesn't get lost in a sea of used product. And that's the problem that we run into right now with the various platforms that are out there. They're fantastic platforms. They get tons of traffic. But as a consumer, if you're going to go shop for a new car, do you go to Auto Trader? Do you go to Craigslist for that new car? No, no, because they've already learned, hey, we can't sell our new cars on these platforms. Right. Yet, as home builders, we're still sending all our or all our listings to these these various platforms. And granted, mm -hmm. they're they're in a constant state of evolving and making the product better as well. So I don't want to slam them because obviously they have their purpose and they still have the traffic. But with all reality, the difference between Livable and the other platforms, it's real simple. It is free to list always. The leads that you get from it are free always. Mm -hmm. And we don't sell. Here's another major difference. We don't sell our leads, any leads whatsoever, the builder's leads, to real estate agents. We don't fundamentally have a problem with real estate agents. But we feel that they need to earn their business. If a real estate agent is a vital part of a home builder's lifespan and they are bringing a client to the home builder, bully, pay them their commission. Fantastic. Yeah. However, yeah. we feel, I feel, let me say, let me change that to, I feel that that is a criminal endeavor to just simply buy a $200 lead and mm -hmm. then go to the home builder with an outstretched hand saying, oh, hey, uh, I paid for this lead. I need to get, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of your bottom line. That's criminal. It's crazy. So, so that is why uh, Livable has taken the pathway of not selling leads, mm -hmm. not uh, not uh, charging for the listing and then not uh, charging for the actual lead that comes from it. Now, we do have tools to monetize it, retargeting, yeah. of course, e-blasts and, and um, uh, featured listings. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, any builder, no matter how big or small you are, right. can play on our site without paying. So how do they get involved if they want to put listings on your site? Maybe that's, it should now, now that they're listening to the show, it should be one of their goals for 2024. How do they start? 
So this is something we're actually pretty proud of. Um, we have already gone on for all the public facing information that's out there and scraped most major communities. So okay. what we'll do, or most major networks. So we actually already have on livable over 45,000 uh, communities across the United States. Nice. Already listed. Now, they're rather generic because it's mm-hmm. just whatever we scrape that day and then we update them every 90 days if, if possible. Um, but then a builder can actually give us uh, image consent. And then what they do is they say, okay, well, yeah, we like the idea of that. We want to be on there and active. So all they have to do is say, yes, you have permission to use the images that we have on our website because that Mm -hmm. you do need permission for. Right. And then two, we grant them admin access so they can go in and control their destiny on those listings. Change their pricing in real time. Uh, We can also use a data feed, uh, data Mm -hmm. feeds that are very common. They're used by BDX and Zillow and Mm -hmm. uh, MLS, any of those types of data feeds. We can actually bring those in and automatically populate it right from your website. So you only update one place and you can shoot it out anywhere. That's fantastic. Home builders are going to love that. They do. It's it's being very well received. Back in August, we actually rolled out the to-consumer ad um, that we, Zonda and Livable, paid for here in the uh-huh. Metro Phoenix market. Uh, the numbers are through the roof. It's actually fantastic. And we did uh, we did the whole gamut. We did social media. We did retargeting. We did uh, TV, radio, billboard. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you name it, we did it. So we we did that just to spread the word. Uh, but in all reality, it's the organic, uh, organic growth and the fact that the builders can literally just jump on there and add their communities. Yeah. At will. Oh, that's very cool. So... I hate to do this, but we are running out of time. So yep. how can our listeners get more information on you and Zonda and Livable? Well, as, as a general rule, I am always on the socials almost too much. Uh, ask my ask my manager. He'll tell you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Kevin Weitzel, W-E-I-T-Z-E-L. Uh, and then also my email, kweitzel at zondahome.com. Perfect. All right. Well, with that, this is a wrap of this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I want to thank Kevin Weitzel, who is the Director of Business Development for Zonda and Livable, for joining me in studio today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Carol. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. On behalf of our show sponsor, Denim Marketing, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating and review. If you're interested in never missing one of our shows, then you can subscribe for free on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you'd like to be on the show, email me and tell me what you'd like to talk to me about, carol at denimmarketing.com. And with that, I'll see everyone right here again next week. Today's episode was made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite real estate blog, and source for real estate news, trends, new home communities, model homes, builders, and more. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your podcast or iTunes app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening. 
and we'll see you next time on the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show.